0: well praise the lord everybody i am evangelist janice nelson and i want to welcome you to season two of broken vessels mended and whole a weekly women's bible study podcast today is sabbath sunday april 24th the year of our lord 2022 In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the word of God. Ladies, the most joyful moment of David's life was when the Ark of the Covenant was laid to rest in Jerusalem after having stayed in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. This was a celebratory event that brought together thousands of people of Israel, including priests dressed in white linen and choirs with an orchestra. When the ark was brought out by the priests, their steps were officially heralded by the sounds of ram's horns, trumpets, clashing cymbals, and the plunking of countless lyres and harps. David was so excited that he disregarded all forms of etiquette and decorum and danced amongst the people and before God. When we come back, we're going to talk about what it means to sing to the Lord and to praise his name. Stay tuned. welcome back to broken vessels mended and whole today we are talking about what it means to sing to the lord and praise his name our scripture reading is taken from the book of psalms chapter 96 verses 1 through 13 and i will be reading from the new international version of the bible if you want to follow along with the scripture reading now, reading from the NIV, Book of Psalms, beginning in chapter 96 at verse 1, the psalmist writes, sing to the Lord, a new song; sing to the Lord, all the earth, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the people, for great is The Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come unto his courts. Worship the Lord and the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Lady Psalms 86 is a hymn sung to the God of Israel, and it invites the world to join Israel in praising him. It also prophesies a time in the future when God will judge the world in righteousness. It begins with a call to worship. Verses 1 through 3 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. There are six imperatives in just these three verses. And in case you do not know what an imperative in the Bible is, an imperative is what God commands us to do, and it is based on what He has done. It's not it's doing or will do. That's the indicative. In our text, there are three calls to sing to the Lord, two times in verse one and one time in verse two. In addition, In verses 2 and 3 of our text, we are called to praise his name, proclaim his glory day after day, and declare his glory among the nations. We are told in scripture to do these things, which this Psalm 96 is doing. As such, we can emulate this psalm as an acceptable or suitable way of praising God. But in so doing, we need to pay attention, special attention, to a couple of things. First, our focus must always be on God, not on ourselves or on others. When the psalmist says a new song, he is not saying, here is a new song I want you to sing. But rather, he is referring to that that, uh, something new that God has done and that he wants to sing about. In fact, the words new song in our text actually echoes 1 Chronicles where these words first appear in the Hebrew Bible. And in 1 Chronicles, the new song was about God coming into Jerusalem symbolically by the moving of the ark of God. And so this was the beginning of God being honored and worshiped in Jerusalem, which is what Psalm 96 is doing. It is honoring and worshiping God. The reason for this is that the Jews had an expectation that God would rule from Mount Zion, not just over the people of Israel, but over all of the Gentile nations as well. When Christians today read in scripture about a new song, they generally think of Revelation chapter 5 verses 9 through 10, which says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation.'" You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Here in Revelations 5, verses 9 through 10, we learn of four living creatures and 24 elders who fall down before God's Lamb and sing a new song. But this new song is about and is joyfully acknowledging the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Perhaps John, the author of Revelation, was thinking of Psalm 96 when he wrote about the universal reign of Jesus Christ, which is what Psalm 96 anticipates. The second thing we need to pay attention to in emulating this psalm to praise God is how the nation's declaration of God's glory followed their praise of him. You see, although we do have personal and private expressions before God, our worship should also lead to missionary witness of God. There is something very powerful, about like-minded people praising God as one body on one accord. As such, it is not enough for us to worship God alone. And verse 3 of our text commands us to declare his glory among the nations. The reason for this is found in verse 4, which says he is to be feared above all gods. That is gods with a lowercase g because heathen gods are demon gods. Verse 5 says, for all the gods, there's that lowercase g again, for all the gods of the nations are idols. In Hebrew, the word idol means a no thing, which translates as a non-entity or nothing. As such, God is to be praised and feared over all heathen gods. And notice the play on words here. The Hebrew word of gods is Elohim, and the Hebrew word for idols is Eli- Eliam. So the Elohim or gods of the Gentiles are Eliam, which word occurs two times in the Psalms first in our text and again in Psalms 97.7. It also appears in two passages of Isaiah. So it is worth paying attention to. In Isaiah 44, verse 9 through 20, Isaiah ridicules the heathen, no gods. And in Isaiah 41, verses 21 through 24, he challenges the heathen gods to do something good or evil that the people will fear him. They do not. Then the apostle Paul in first Corinthians verse chapter eight, verse four says, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. So this is a rejection of all world religions except Christianity, but it comes directly from God or from the God of the Bible and what he says about himself. Verse Five and six says the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. So it is sinful to worship any God other than the God of the Bible. And we must worship him and none other. Verses seven through eight are about the glory due to God because of his greatness. They say, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Verse seven of our text is the same as the first two verses of Psalm 29, as well as the first line of verses 8 and 9 of Psalm 96, with one major difference. Psalm 29 calls on the angels to worship God, saying, Almighty ones. But in our text, the psalmist makes an urgent request to all families of nations. The nations here are the Gentile, who God, according to verse two of our text, has been dismissed as nothing more than an idol. So in verse eight, the psalmist says, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. This instruction, Corresponds with the instructions in verses one and in verse one and that command to us to sing to the Lord. This is a form of worship and in English, when we worship God, we kneel and praise him for his attributes. But in Hebrew, to worship God means to prostrate oneself when you prostrate yourself you lay stretched out on the on the ground with your face down in reverence or submission to god however regardless of the difference between the english and the hebrew form of worship the hebrew form also praises god for his attributes and that is what is being said in verse 8 when the nations are told to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. In verses 6 and 9 of our text, it speaks of the splendor of his holiness. This refers to God's glory, something very impressive. And the worship of God in our text refers to our bringing something to God, as opposed to our receiving something from God. Because worship involves giving praise and offering. When we go to church, we go expecting to receive knowledge about the things of God and or answers to our prayers. But Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We've been talking about the call to the nations to praise God. Now, in verse 10, the psalmist addresses the people of Israel saying, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. This verse is the height of Psalm 96, and it concerns the reign of God by which he will righteously judge the earth. Our final stanza of Psalm 96 is a commentary and a response to the statement, the Lord reigns found in verse 10. Verses 11 through 13 says, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the seas resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. So the fact that a righteous God judges and calls all things to account is good for creation, good for the heavens, good for the earth, good for the sea. Good for the fields and all the trees. We are talking about inanimate nature sharing in the joy of renovated humanity with prophetic utterances. In Romans chapter 8, verse 21, the Apostle Paul said that the creation itself will be liberated from his bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Verse 13 of our text says, For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. That means to rule with discretion, not to tax it or control it by force as kings do, but to preside as magistrates do. To see justice carried out amongst humanity, verses 11 through 13, looks forward to God's judgment with joy, which is a bit curious because we've been taught to have an acute sense of sin and to be thankful that we have been spared God's judgment through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. But we have to remember that in ancient Old Testament times, right judgment was hard to come by, especially for marginalized and oppressed peoples, because judges could easily be bribed. But ladies, without losing our joy in the atonement by which we have escaped God's just judgment for our sins, we who trust Christ should nevertheless also look forward to the day of perfect righteousness, which will come when Christ returns to rule the world justly. And on that day, we will sing like the nations, the people of Israel, like inanimate nature, sharing in the joy of renovated humanity with prophetic utterances. We will also sing with the glorified saints in Revelations chapter 19 verses 6 and 7 which says, Hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. Second, at GiveLify, that's G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y dot com. You may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole. Or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. And don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice, that's J-A-N-I-S Nelson, today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you.